2: Thank you New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is
3: Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Moreno New Zealand, good morning to you all. Uh, On the day after the long weekend that was, the Platinum Jubilee for the Queen and some big, big items uh, in New Zealand sport over the weekend, including... Of course, um, announcements of uh, the Queen's birthday honours list. And we'll focus on that uh, at some stage throughout the morning as well, I can bet. Uh, Grant Nisbet, first of all, though, after 9 o'clock, we'll be talking about uh, just the quarterfinals over the weekend briefly, but looking forward to uh, the semis this weekend. Of course, the Crusaders, the Chiefs uh, in Christchurch on Friday, the Blues, the Brumbies on Saturday in Auckland. Uh, 9.25, we shall be having uh, some texts and calls, and I'll take that uh, over after 9.30 as well, a subject today, it's got to be Nathan Brown, what the hell is going on, can it get any worse, Um, you know, I mean, is he going to walk out, are they going to get rid of him today, if he's not committed to coming to New Zealand, the home of the New Zealand Warriors, after all, if he's not committed to coming here, if that's the reason, uh, does he uh, even stay, it's not like we're on the crest of a wave, is it, really, is it? I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, well, I'd like to hear from you after that. Uh, that'll be about 9.32, and we'll put, uh, because it's such a big subject and we're in a hell of a generous mood, we'll put 100 bucks up today. $100 ge- chemist warehouse voucher, just for the hell of it. Uh, we'll do that. Um, so, yeah, just to celebrate the fact that the Warriors are a talking point for once. <laughs> Uh, after 10 o'clock, uh, Henry Moran, Henry Moran, Henry Moran will be uh, with the BBC uh, Cricket Commentator. He's also with SENZ. Uh, his take on Baz's first test in charge to beat us. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, the roundup from that? And looking forward to the next one, which starts very quickly, actually, at Trent Bridge. Um, At the end of the week Jamie Wall and Lavina Good (laughs) Lavina Good On the morning That this we have With the Warriors Goodness me Open up the doors And let Lavina through Uh, That'll be cool Jamie Wall as well uh, On the rugby matters In particular Uh, We shall also speak To Louis uh, And BP Brendan Popwell From uh, representing The TAB today And then after 11 o'clock Uh, We have to have a lead comment, don't we, this morning So Greg Alexander, the great Brandy Alexander Will come to us just after 11 o'clock We'll have a stump smithy around about 11.30 just after uh, And we'll take uh, your reaction to what's happening In the world of sport as well
5: Sport is
0: our religion And here is Smithy's sermon
4: Well, they call Colin de Gronholm Dutchy. You'll hear it come through the stump microphones On any given day he's involved Uh, That's a link to his heritage, of course. They could just as easily, though, call him the tap. One twist either way, and he's either hot or he's cold. One of the most interesting yet frustrating cricketers New Zealand has ever had in its ranks. Colin has more natural ability than most that have ever worn the black cap. Trouble is, Colin only rarely brings it to the office, but it's one of the reasons he is so suited to test cricket, because over a period of five days... You can just about see everyone from the, everything from that bloke. He has got the cushiest role in the game, make no mistake. You bat at seven, you bowl a few gentle seamers off a lopey pace, drift around the field for the remainder of the day with a terrific set of hands. It's a skill to occasionally make of all those roles looked so damn easier. I mean it really is a skill. He saw the, f- the full tap on show at Lord's, didn't we? The whole gambit. I mean How do you run yourself out in that manner when the game is so delicately poisoned? How at that gentle method of approaching the bowling crease do you ever overstep the line, presenting England with such a generous get-out-of-jail-free card? Yet on the first day, Colin saved us from the embarrassment of an all-time low score when he saw us over three figures. And now we hear Colin has gone for the series. The tap will be no longer... A troublesome heel, not quite of Achilles' proportion, but substantial enough for New Zealand to have to mix and mingle that number seven spot again. So assume Henry Nichols comes back at number five, Uh, Centurion, Mitchell to six, Blundell to seven, then four bowlers, and therein lies the head scratcher for the selectors. Which four? What surface will Trent Bridge provide? Can we live without a spinner? I mean, we do at home. Can we live without one in England? Uh, we do find a spot for Neil Wagner, I, I guess, so often the saviour. We just have to. Now that the tap has been turned off for the series, I suspect Wags is the devil we all know. The trouble is, he's the devil that Brendan McCullum knows as well. And Baz will be, as we speak, formulating plans to negate the Wags attack. And England, one nil up, certainly back on the front foot with their new administration.
6: Reese.
7: Still going! Sonny Race. Oh, what a try that is! No need to carry on though, as they boot it into the grandstands, and the Crusaders win the quarter final and they move on. The season is over for the Reds with the Crusaders winning here tonight in Christchurch 37 points to 15. Grant
4: Nisbet there with his take on happenings in the Crusaders' victory over the Reds, 37-15, the Chiefs, 39, Waratahs, 15, the Blues, 35, the Highlanders, 6, the Brumbies, 35, and the Hurricanes, 25. I'm pleased to say that the great man is with us this morning, uh, the voice of New Zealand rugby, Grant Nisbet uh, Nisbo. Uh, though, we, uh, I think it's fair to say... All the favourites just got home over the weekend. We might have a a uh, conversation about the Hurricanes, but I think pretty much it it went to the form book anyway. Uh, Any great surprises for you?
7: G'day, Smithy. Good morning to you. Um, No, not really. Not really. Um, It was all about being the home team, wasn't it, really? The Crusaders at home, uh, the Chiefs at home, the Blues at home, and the Brumbies at home, and the teams that travelled simply couldn't get the job done and um, it's not surprising. Three New Zealand teams, one Australian team, and the one Australian team has been a standout, really. And at, at, Since we've had Super Rugby, the Brumbies have been a standout, and uh, it's no surprise to me that, uh, that they've gone through as well.
4: OK, let's, before we say um, hello to the semifinals, let's just say uh, goodbye to the Highlanders and the Hurricanes in particular. Uh, the end of Tony Brown's uh, run at the Highlanders uh, Clark Dermody's made noises about being the new coach. Uh, what what I mean they made the last eight at the end of the day um because of the generous nature I guess of the playoffs and the competition but what what did you make of the Highlander season and where do, you, where do you think they might go coaching wise?
7: Oh pretty disappointing. I mean I think I think I'm right in saying they won four games all year which is uh, which is simply not good enough from the Highlanders point of view. Uh, they'll be disappointed with the way things turned out. Tony Brown will be disappointed as he jets away to Japan to join Jamie Joseph over there. But I think on reflection, they didn't have very many match winners, did they? When you, when you look through their uh, team, there weren't any or too many players who could take a game by the scruff of the neck. They were fundamentally toilers who did a damn good job, made it hard for the opposition to win but they didn't have um, a, a bloke or two blokes who could absolutely rip a game apart. I mean, you could argue um, for Whakatawa possibly when he came on, but you need two or three in every team, I think, to do that. And while they were battlers, um, they just didn't uh, have anybody who could, who could set the place alight, really.
4: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and, and and I don't know quite. I don't think they have to rush into naming a coach. I, I mean, everyone likes to get surety in life these days, but I don't. Uh, I don't see an absolute standout just uh, waltzing in there. Do you at this point?
7: No, not really. I mean, uh, incumbency helps a lot, I suppose, and Clark Dermody would be uh, would be one of the four uh, to the four, I think um, I think what they need to do really is look at recruitment um, it 's a small catchment area as we know i mean it 's really only Otago and southland they don 't have the luxury of um, you know of being able to choose from a number of different provinces, etc i think I think the brains trust uh, down there need to sit down and think about recruitment really, uh, who's available, who do we need and let's get on with it and do it early
4: Yeah, do it early, okay, okay, I'll run with that Could I ask the same couple of questions of the Hurricanes Season in review, coaching setup
7: Yeah, interesting um, Probably better than the Highlanders but um, disappointing in the finish I mean they'll argue and every team can argue this you know, disrupted by COVID etc cetera, etc cetera. But at the end of the day, you're judged purely and simply on results, and they dropped that game against Moana Pacifica, and uh, which would have probably given them a home final if they, or a home quarterfinal if they'd won that game. On reflection, it probably didn't seem that important at the time, but it was damn important, really. Uh, they went close on a number of occasions, the only team to beat the Blues, and all that sort of stuff. But overall, I've got to say, disappointing. They, uh, they uncovered a few possible stars for the future, the likes of Aidan Morgan and Josh Morby. Um, but again, they have to think about uh, recruitment, where do we need to improve, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the coaching is uh, probably stable for another 12 months, um, but they need to seriously have a look at recruitment and who do we need and, and in what positions do we need them.
4: Mm, interesting, okay let's go forward to this Friday night It's not that far away now, Crusaders against the Chiefs Incidentally this will be the 100th game uh, in charge for Scott Robertson and Jason Ryan as a combination So there's just a, a little bit of extra incentive, not that they know uh, need it, the Crusaders They know how to play at this uh, time of the year Having said that, the Chiefs knocked them over earlier in the year
7: Yeah, they did, absolutely. I mean, the Chiefs won't go down there fearing the fact that they have to go to Christchurch, that is for sure. I thought the Chiefs played pretty damn well uh, at the weekend. The Waratahs were a tricky opponent, but they handled them pretty easily. Um, And, you know, these New Zealand clashes, we all know, there's never much in it, and, um, you know, mate against mate and all the rest of it. But, I mean, the Crusaders at home are very, very hard to beat. But I think the Chiefs have got a team... Who can go down there with some confidence, um, not overly confident about it, but um, I'd certainly rate them a better chance to knock over the Crusaders than what the Reds did. Uh, the Reds mm. pretty much didn't didn't improve much over seven days. Uh, it's not—I don't think—it's a Crusaders team that's actually firing on all cylinders yet. Um, there's certainly some flaws there, and at one point there on Friday night, I think the Reds came to within one point. And I thought, and you probably thought, hello, what's going on here? But in the end, of course, they ran away with it. But um, look, I, I, think the, I think the Chiefs have got to go down there and give themselves a shot at it.
4: The, the one big loss, and he's been in hell of a good form this year, uh, was Blackadder, Ethan Blackadder. Uh, we when, when still don't know he's having scans today, I think So we still don't know the extent of that So you just look at that side that they had at the weekend You're probably thinking Tom Christie comes in And it's just jersey for jersey, really, in that regard But uh, it is a whole without Blackadder
7: Yeah, look, he is um, he is an outstanding player He's not the Crusaders player of the year for nothing, Smithy He, he gives it mm. 80 minutes every single day that he goes out there And uh, he's tough, he's hard He's uncompromising. He's just the sort of bloke you need uh, fronting up week after week after week, and they are going to miss him. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we all feared the worst there on Friday night. I think we all imagined that maybe a broken arm or something similar, but we find out it mm. was a shoulder dislocation, so I don't know how quickly you recover from that. But, um, yes, they will miss him, and I'm pretty sure that Tom Christie will slot in there in the number 7 jersey. The great thing about Blackadder is that he seems to be able to play 6-7 and 8, um, mm. and so he's great cover as well, isn't he? But um look, uh, christie's a good player. I think he's the uh, highest tackler in the competition and uh, one of the better turnovers of the ball and and the rest of it. So look, they won't lose too much.
4: The brumbies really have looked the only Australian chance from day one, to be fair. Um so then uh, this weekend or the Saturday night, it's the Blues and the Brumbies uh, seven oh five Eden Park. Um, and a lot of this will be about uh, just how Bowden Barrett's able to run the game, and he's been doing it pretty well lately.
7: He has. He's certainly been the form number 10 in the competition, without any doubt. Um, on the back of a forward pack that is marching forward, which always helps, and always looks makes numbers 9 and 10 look very good when your forward pack is is marching forward. But the thing I've noticed about Barrett this year is he's taking the line on. He's actually running to the line. He's quite physical. You go back and compare that to the Bowden Barrett of five years ago who very rarely ever went to the line. He usually just shoveled it mm. on and, uh, and waited for um, you know second phase play when there were a few gaps opening up. So his whole attitude is, uh, appears to be a lot different uh, this season. Look, I think they'll be too good for the Brumbies. Uh, the Brumbies uh, don't play a very expansive sort of game. I think you've got to go to Eden Park and attack the Blues. There's no point going to mm. Eden Park and being defensive and saying uh, you have the ball and uh, and we'll see what we can do and bowl you over and uh, and cause um, you know turnovers and make penalties etc etc. I think you've got to go there with a positive attitude and uh, if you don't do that then I think you you're going to finish up in second place and I think that's what'll happen to the Brumbies.
4: It's okay, so we're looking uh, at the way you're reading it, probably Crusaders Blues final at. Uh, Eden Park. That's what you're sort of taking.
7: Yeah. Look, I'm 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 giving the Chiefs an outside chance in Christchurch because I still don't think that the Crusaders are as good as they can be. Um, they've looked a little bit clunky in places this year, but they always find a way to get the job done. But if they had an off night uh, and the Chiefs had a, a very much an on night, I'd give the Chiefs uh, an outside chance of winning. I don't think I'd give the Brumbies much chance of winning at Eden Park.
4: OK, let's um, look at this, the stage of the season now from an All Black point of view, Nisba, if we can, just briefly. Uh, now's the time we're, we're always told that the All Black selectors rarely sit up and take notice. It's playoff time, and they're not far away from getting their hands on the, those players they want to have around. Uh, not long ago, we were talking about the options, about how to, who to loo, leave out of the loose forward trio, but all of a sudden, uh, we're looking at a bit of a mash unit there. Black Papaleti a Papa Lee Kane. All doubtful. Uh, we're not quite know where any of them are at. So, Looseford area all of a sudden leaves Arty as the given, and who else?
7: Yeah, good point. Very good point. And it's um, it's such an important year for New Zealand rugby. I mean, this is the year before the World Cup. This is the year they have to make tough decisions. There's no point leaving it till next year. And I think this year they um, they really have, as I said before, have to make some tough decisions. And uh, who to leave in, uh, who to leave in there, and who not to have. Uh, and there's still a door open, of course, next year if somebody plays themselves back into form. But yeah, the loose forwards are very interesting, isn't it? Um, you mentioned those guys who are injured. Um, I don't imagine Dalton Papali'i will be up for too long. Um, I think an appendix operation. I'm not sure how long that keeps you out of it. Um, Adi Salvea is a given in in my point of... Uh, you know, Shannon Frizzell is back. Um, um, Tupu Vahee has been most impressive. And I wonder how they look at him, whether they look at him as a sixth or a, or a lock. Um, I still think there's plenty of depth there, Smithy, and I think it's uh, mm. way too early to panic with the injuries that are around.
4: OK, let's look at uh, a couple of other areas, uh, Nisbo. Uh, the whitelock Ritalic partnership as such. Uh, Ritalic back playing and, and being fairly physical the other night for 80 minutes. Whitelock, I thought, had one of his better games at the weekend in the last uh, month or so anyway. So uh, is that, um, and I say this with inverted commas, is that a given, that partnership to start?
7: Yeah, I I imagine it is. Um, Scott Barrett is playing really well too, and and I I think the experiment of playing him at number six in an all-black jersey is, is long gone, so therefore he's a lock. And um, he'd be hard to leave out. And now who do you, do you leave him out for? And I, I imagine it's a straight head-to-head, really, between he and, uh, and Sam Whitelock. Um, but just at the moment, I think they'll go with that experience. Uh, you know you're going to get uh, plenty of industry, uh, plenty of good graft out of Sam Whitelock. Um, sure, he may not be as good as he was, but he's still good enough to be an All Black, I think. Uh, Brodie Retallick is, um, is quite an outstanding player, as we know. And so I think they'll probably do that, and uh, and Barrett will be the will be the backup. You know, there are other possibilities around, but just at the moment, they look to be the three.
4: Okay, um, bearing in mind, of course, we're we're also looking forward. As you said before, we're looking forward a year and a bit, really. Um, and I, I guess they have to weigh up the legs of, of these guys, which uh, brings me to the other interesting bracket for me. I mean. <laughs> You mentioned during the the commentary itself on Saturday night, I mean, have we probably been better off in terms of the wingers around the country when you see, you know, the likes of what was on show there um, and, and, you know, uh, the ones that weren't on show. I just wonder, what do we do now with Will Jordan, Geordie Barrett, that bracket?
7: Yeah, look, it's a toughie. Um, I'm, I, you've got to have Will Jordan on the park at the start of the Test match. Now, where you put him, of course, is up for debate, um, he would be just as effective on the wing if you wanted to play Geordie Barrett at fullback, and I think you need to play Geordie Barrett as well, to be perfectly honest, and then the debate starts as to whether he's a midfielder or not. Um I think he prefers in midfield, but you get the feeling that Ian Foster would much prefer to see him at fullback. So let's say he's the starting fullback. You have to play Jordan, I think that's an absolute given. he has to start, so that takes up one of the wing positions and then you can argue over who plays on the other wing. And you've probably got about six candidates.
4: Mm. You yeah, have got six candidates. I, I mean, he's only about uh, 80 kilos ringing wet, it seems, a severe race, but his physicality levels are quite astounding. His work rate even more so for me.
7: Yeah, look, he looks to be the form winger in the competition for me um, because he gets his sleeves rolled up and he doesn't just stand out on the wing and say, well, you know, is someone going to throw me the ball sometime? He really goes in after it, and um, I think he's, he's, he's outstanding at the moment. But you look across the competition, and uh, so many other good wingers around, aren't there? You know, the sort of the Caleb mm. Clark, and uh, even Mark Talia at the Blues is an outstanding player, um, and George Bridge, and you name it. There's, there's wingers all over the show. So uh, I think that's one of the areas of least concern, really, for the All Black selectors.
4: Yeah, I totally agree, Nisbo. um Interesting to see when that first squad comes out. It won't be that far away. Uh, Mate, thank you so much for your time this morning, uh, summing up and looking forward to uh, what we've got this weekend. Uh, I think the the four best sides have uh, deservedly got through to this stage. Uh, Thank you so much, and it's my turn to buy you a $14 beer at Ridges and Christchurch.
7: I'll
4: be there Smithy Friday night, see you there <laughs> Cheers mate, thank you Nisbo <laughs> Yeah, goodness me, that's a headache uh, 9.24 here on SENZ, uh, we'll be back very shortly
2: Thank you New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side by side brand. Summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith
3: on SENZ
4: Good God, it's too early in the week to have breaking noise shortly. It's, uh, it's, uh, has something happened? Is nothing with the Warriors now? What's <laughs> no. going on?
8: Oh, I'm sure something's going to happen with the Warriors later today, Smithy. It's just the day for it. Mm. Uh, you have a long weekend and it all comes pouring out on Tuesday. No, this is really exciting news, Smithy, for football fans and especially all-whites fans. Uh, as, as of 9am, uh, uh, New Zealand football have confirmed that a home match against Australia uh, to celebrate the 100 year anniversary of the first ever senior men's international fixture between the two sides is going to take place at Eden Park on Sunday, the 25th of September. The crazy thing there is, Smithy, it's been 2,146 days since the last time the All Whites played. Uh, a, ga- a game at home, and I believe this is the first time they're playing in Eden Park as well. It is going to be a two-game series wow. with the Socceroos, the uh, first date being here in New Zealand, Eden Park. The second one is going to be in Australia. That is yet to be confirmed when that will be. But, yeah, celebrating the centennial, that first Trans-Tasman game, it's going to be huge. Uh, Mark's the first time. To- this is crazy. This is the first time that New Zealand and Australia will face each other in 10 years. Whoa. It is a crazy thing absolutely crazy stat that
4: oh that's hell of a good news actually great news for football fans i would even think about traveling all the way from Hawkes bay to watch that just you know, in a celebration of the hundred years uh, but i think it will be a hell of a matchup and who knows both those sides uh, who are still trying to qualify for qatar the world cup uh, may well be world cup contenders so let's uh let's look forward to that wonderful news thanks for that uh, logan uh, this, uh here on SENZ. Let's get straight across to Ottawa and then we will solicit, solicit your calls for $100 worth of Chemist Warehouse Voucher. What a way to start the new week, even though it's Tuesday. Here's Ottawa.
0: Talk back time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse Voucher. 0800-150-811. 9.33
4: 800 150 9.33 here on SENZ, and yes, we have $100 dollars worth of Chemist Warehouse vouchers for you uh, to pick up this morning. Uh, any subject you like, really, but uh, the Warriors has got to be high on the agenda, doesn't it? It just goes from bad to worse, from disaster to disaster. And after 11 o'clock, we are hearing... Uh, that Nathan Brown, the head coach, is in crisis talks uh, with the, the the ownership, the management of the whole organisation. What do you think's going to come out of that? And what do you think should come out of that? Uh, you might want to talk about the Super Rugby. I think Dean does. Uh, Danino, uh, Dino from Dunedin, good morning to you. Super Rugby, uh, Highlanders gone, but I think it's the four teams everyone expected, isn't it, Dean?
1: Yeah, totally. Like I think... I, I, As much as I enjoy seeing the Blues going about what they do, for me, it's not how I want to see rugby played, you know. To me, it looks like rugby league on a union field, but they're very, very good at it. But I think if there's one team, well, definitely two teams, possibly three teams, all those three teams could break them down. I think the Brumbies made this decision a couple of weeks back to let's go to Eden Park as opposed to going down to Crusaderville and trying down there. That's how I see it anyway, and I think if that guy I don't I've never seen him play but Valentino, he's been injured, but he was almost mm. right. Played the Hurricanes. Like I rang the radio channel a few weeks back when I was up at Tegapo and I listened on the radio when they played the Chiefs, when the Brumbies came to Hamilton, only a month ago I suppose. And his name was Every Phase, I kid you not, on the wireless. And Sam's cat, Sam Keynes was twice. So it was once when they read mm. the teams out at the start of the game, and it was twenty minutes into the second half. <laughs> So I don't think the I don't think the Chiefs miss too much. Like I, I think young Jacobson's going outstanding at eight. That for me is the both. I can't wait. Obviously, I can't wait. But if anyone's going to tip the Crusaders up, it will be the Chiefs. I honestly believe that. I thought that was that was going to be my final. I had money at the TAB on that being the top two. But when the Brumbies went and lost to Pacifica, that threw a cat amongst the pigeons and upset everything. But I. I've seen it before in World Cups when coaches have decided, hang on, where's the better place to play? And when you've got the opportunity to do that, I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. I think the Brumbies, the way they play is suffocating. Call it boring if you like, but Jeremy Paul will disagree. And um, if it wins, it wins. And you've got to be in the big dance to win the big dance, you know. So it's a great watch. And the Hollanders showed enough in the first 30 minutes or until we got the old... Red card, man, that's starting to annoy me. Like, I don't think that was that intentional. Robinson's a great player. And he hit the flanker and come off his line, and it's just slowing it down. It looks terrible. At real speed, was there that much intent in that? I'm not really sure. But it it, it stuffs the game up, if you ask me. But the Hollanders showed enough. Mm. The Blues and Leon and possibly Joe Smith, if he's still hanging around there, to just really be concentrating on what the Brumbies are going to do because they're going to bring it a bit better than what the Highlanders did and they've probably got a back line mm. that well, has a wee bit more to offer, they've got definitely got a halfback that's on par with the Highlanders' halfback I thought Fokitava was absolutely outstanding given a game when if all black, so a lot of all blacks, and I look at them as all black trials. Maybe every game from now on is an all black trial. Last week included, mm. and he was put in mm. position where they pre- presumed they'd be going backwards, but well, they actually weren't. I didn't think they were going backwards, but he made his tackles around the fringe, and then when um, oh, what's the boy I He's named the number six. He give him a hug like five minutes before the end of the game. <laughs> Just say <like>, well done. <laughs> For me, you know, like I, I say, I think the kid's ready. I'm not saying he'll start for me. The halfbacks and the ABs are Aaron, and I love Weber, like he just adds that he's, mm. he's, he's lethal for the Chiefs, and he could be the difference for the Crusaders. The halfbacks are good, mm. but Weber is better. I know one man doesn't make a difference, but his wee snipey breaks, and you've got to keep an eye on the little rooster, he'll go down that blindside all day. And they've got good finishes, very good finishes. Mm. So for me, I can't wait, I can't wait. And for the Warriors, yep. I think the problem is the owner, like it stands out a mile, and he's not going to give up that. So it's just going to be the same old Sabon until that changes.
4: He looks to be a bit of a rebel, Dino. Thank you very much for your call. He looks to be um, uh, not one of those owners that likes to sit in the back seat and let just things unfold in front of him. There's no, no doubt about that. So Dean from Dunedin, our first caller this morning. Uh, John, good morning to you. John from Auckland.
5: Yeah, mate, bloody hell. The bloody Warriors. Uh, just Just, yeah, just another... Another bone to pick with them. Um, what I'm disappointed with, mate, is, is the way that Brown's handling this. I mean, he he knew from the start that he would have to come to New Zealand. And it's so disappointing that he's pulling out now. I, I get it. It's for family reasons. Well, why did you apply for the job? Why are these players coming to the to the Warriors? That's the problem, mate. They're bringing this Australian mentality and it doesn't work with the Vodafone Warriors. And uh, Stacey Jones is about to come in. And he should be the head coach because he, in essence, um, embodies the Warriors. And he's always been about the Warriors, New Zealand Rugby League. And I hope that he takes the head coaching gig, mate. And I hope they give him all the support he gets because at the moment it's a basket case. It's 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 the basket case of um, New Zealand sport at the moment, mate. And it frustrates me as a Warriors supporter because I'm ringing up um, SEN and New South Wales trying to defend them. And, um, you know, here we go again. So it's just really frustrating, mate. And I can't think of a worse team in New Zealand sport at the moment. Can you, Smithy?
4: No, I can't think of a worse two months of uh, the administration and the performance of a side. I I really cannot. These guys have had, John, a a horrendous, horrendous um, period in their history in the last uh, two months. And to deny that, um, I find incredible, uh, John. Uh, I like that basket. I like that basket case. I-, I must say, thanks very much for your call, this morning. I, I don't. I- what I don't get here um, is that uh, unless his personal situation and within his family has changed markedly, I, I don't get it. I really don't. I-, I mean, he's the coach of the New Zealand Warriors, not the Australian Warriors. He knew that. I mean, this time that he spent around his family and friends in Australia has been bonus time. Bonus time, but now's the time to pay back, son. Now's the time to pay back. Come over here. Come over here, where our warriors belong. In front up, uh, Tony. Good morning to you.
9: Yeah, good morning, Smitty. How's, how's it going?
4: Yeah, good, good, mate. Very good. Yourself?
9: I uh, yeah, not too bad. Oh, I could be better. I mean, the warriors are, are um, not doing very well at the moment, but people have got to realise that um, it's still uh, our New Zealand team in the competition. Now, um, mm. a lot of people just burn their jerseys, throw them away that I know, um, but it's, <laughs> it's the players it's the players on the field that, that have to front up. Nobody else. And uh, as a player, if you don't front up and you're out on that field, you're, you're letting everyone down, all your fans, you're letting all your all your teammates down, and there's, there's no camaraderie. And, and I'm sorry, but I have to say this, I, I, am, I am one of them myself, but there's just far too many Islanders in the team. Far too many. They can't play 80 minutes. We all know they're just bulldozers. And with this Australian mentality, we need that in our game. Because that's the Australian game. We have to realise that and admit to ourselves that we're playing their game. You know, when they play rugby, they're playing our game. That's the difference. Uh, we don't bring this Australian mentality back into the Warriors. I mean, look what the Warriors were doing when Ivan Cleary was the coach, when the Australians were coaches. You know, they were doing good. But with uh, the, with, uh, with the coaches that they got at the moment, he, it, it's not the coach, man. It, it's the players. The co- Nathan Brown knows what he's doing. He, he, he's been there. He's been around for a while. Uh, you got, you got the players that aren't fronting up. Whether it's Sean Johnson, whether it's the, there's a, another rift because there had to be a rift between Sean Johnson and, and Roger Roger for shek back then. That's why she left because he couldn't stand Johnson. That's the truth of it. No one can get rid of him. That's all it is. Okay, the so t- we, need, we need Australian players. I- that's that's the we need an Australian leader, someone like Campion, someone like Luck. You know, we need like someone like Pricey. You know, honestly.
4: Tony might tell, just uh, as he just faded out there. Uh, Logan, give me the thumbs up. He was he was heavily into it. I was going to ask Tony. I, I don't know if he's still there or not. Whether he thought that Stacey Jones could bring that Australian type intellect into a head coaching role. Uh, Tony, can I ask you that? Uh, Stacey Jones, uh, do you think he's the answer then? If you're looking at that Australian type intellect into a coaching and playing role?
9: Uh, I don't think head coach. Um, because, I mean, he's still learning, isn't he? But I I still think they need to bring someone with Stacey, someone onto it. Like, um, uh, There's got to be an investigation. What about him?
4: Yeah, maybe an investigation. I I would imagine they they think about that almost every week. Tony, fantastic call. Absolutely uh, loved your um, honesty about it, and uh, I can tell you're a genuine fan, because it sounds like there's a bit of hurt in your voice, which is coming through very evidently to me. Dave from Palmerston North. Uh, Dave, good morning to you.
6: G'day, Spuddy. Hey, look, with the Warriors, I was was watching uh, NRL 360 when the news came out. The other coach that's gone uh, by the end of the week is Madge Maguire, which is, you know, you've got the Warriors coach gone and you've got the New Zealand coach getting kicked out of West, which is not good. I think uh, with Stacey, you know, he'd he'd be all right, but you... But the, it's the time to give these guys time and b- just be patient. If we want, you know, t- to get to a final and win a final, we need we need patience. You know, but like Leicester Football Club or Connick Rugby Club, it took them 120 years to win a final. Hopefully, it doesn't take us that long. But um, I, I'm not a big fan of having too many Aussies in the team. They don't get the culture. Let's go back to how we used to play when the competition when we first entered the competition. Um, with the old, it's one common factor, you know, you've got the Highlanders and you've got the Warriors, both the coaches are called Brown. Is there, is there a common factor there? And uh, the All Blacks, you know, like uh, with those back three, you know, Scott Barrett, he's a, he's a big boy. Is he a genuine eight? They have Poppa Lee at six and Ardy at seven. If these other guys are injured, there's those, you know, I, I know we don't like playing people out of position, but Ardi started as a seven. Poppa he's a big boy. and
4: Throw Pino yeah. uh, I can I can hear it from you uh, Look, uh, uh, I think One of the things that's been of interest to me is, uh, uh, is the fact that they haven't played at home For such a long time, the Warriors And that, that continues to be the old uh, The thing that saves them in my mind Because at the end of the day You have to have the right to play poorly at home I think to be a to a franchise And a total mess um, this is something that the Australian sides will never have to experience, uh, and and I think this is maybe they've just had enough. Maybe some of these guys have just said, I can't do it anymore. I, I just can't. I just can't make the effort, and I might as well make my decision to go now and get out, and so they can s- start rebuilding. Uh, Zaid we've got uh, around about sixty seconds. Good luck, son. All the best. Oh, okay.
6: Uh, yeah. The Warriors, mate. They're all a basket case. Get rid of all of them, that are Australians. You guys can. P right off. I've had enough of all of them. Um, Yeah, well, mate, when you sign in the first place, and Nathan Brown, what's up with him? And get Craig Hutchie, mate. Do you have enough money to buy the Warriors? That's what would turn the Warriors around for me. Hutchie, and change it to the SCN, New Zealand Warriors. That's what I would like the Warriors to be. And I'm I'm, I'm happy I've got the Blues to watch, mate, because if I didn't have the Blues to watch, I don't know what I'd be up to. But uh, I've got the Auckland Blues that are saving me And I'm off to another semi-final this weekend. So um, they're my pride and joy right
4: now. They are your pride and joy, Zade. You're our pride and joy, because we get uh, communication from you every day. Thank you very much. And thank you to all our callers this morning. Uh, I feel uh, a same sort of uh, essence coming through. There's pain out there. There's pain. Pain. We'll make the announcement of uh, who won the $100 chemist warehouse voucher very shortly. Uh, We'll come back, we've got a multi before 10 o'clock too.
2: Thank you New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith
3: on SNZ.
4: Congratulations to Tony from Auckland. Uh, Tony, you've won the $100 Chemist Warehouse Voucher today and even Dean wants you to have it as well, so there you go. Uh, it is yeah, your passion that was in your voice there and um, um, uh, the way you described it very succinctly, uh, I think was uh, certainly the winner today. So uh, Brian will be in touch with you or will be in touch with you and uh, get that uh, Chemist Warehouse voucher for 100 bucks out to you. A few texts are rolling in as well. Uh, Richard Smithy, surely one of these three scenarios, three scenarios apply. Brown has lost the shared, so a player revolt. Number two, he has pulled the pin himself. Number three, the owner has already sacked Brown, so the excuse of Brown not wanting to come to New Zealand is pretty much a cover up. Uh, Mark has come in and said the Warriors will be lucky to win another game, and Stacey Jones is not a head coach. They need to completely clean the coaching room out. Stacey Jones is not the answer, just like Stephen Kearney wasn't the answer. Uh, that's Mark as well. Uh, on a cricketing nature, Craig has c- come in and said Stead and Kane misread that pitch badly. Ajaz was a fielder for two, except for two overs in the test when he actually went for 22 off two overs. Uh, those were important runs. Get Wagner in there as soon as possible. Get Trent Bridge doesn't take spin uh, from an English journo. So there you go. Craig from Tauranga is picking Wags back into the side, perhaps for Ajaz Patel. Uh, John has come in also and said, hey, is the all-black team naming on TV next week? Couldn't find an on um, Sky TV. Don't know. John will endeavour to find out for you. Simple as that. Uh, If it is, uh, Sky will make every effort, I'm sure, to make sure it is live on television. Uh, We will have a multi coming up very shortly. Uh, We're also going to talk to Henry Moran after uh, 10 o'clock. Henry is a a BBC cricket commentator. He's also part of the SENZ team uh, for this test series as well. Uh, Just the fallout, a day after the test match finishes. Remember, it finished a day earlier. It was supposed to finish last night. Uh, well, England made sure they got it done in just over three and a half days. It is uh, 9.54 here on SENZ.
2: Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with
3: Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah,
4: we got Friday's one home. I was uh, not here yesterday, but Friday's one got home at $3.45. So today's one is a double baseball act here. Uh, The Houston Astros to beat the Seattle Mariners. uh, That will be at $1.55. The Los Angeles Angels to beat the Red Sox at $1.77. And in tennis tonight, uh, the ATP in Stuttgart. uh, Andy Murray to beat uh, Christopher O'Connell. He'll beat him at $1.36. And that return will be $3.73. $3.73. After the break, we have got some cricket to talk about. Uh, we'll have a panel in the next hour as well and that uh, will feature Jamie Wall and Lavina Good uh, on the Warriors subject of course that'll be rife for the talking about there Uh, Henry Moran uh, Moran on the uh, cricket uh, and uh, then of course Brandy Alexander after 11 o'clock
2: for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing
3: gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It
4: is 10.03 and that's the breaking news theme. Uh, we have heard it from... Uh, coming through from Australia of all places uh, courtesy of 7 News Michelle Bishop talking to Andrew Voss and uh, Greg Alexander on their breakfast show this morning that the Warriors and Nathan Brown have parted ways that's been announced by 7 News to uh, uh, yeah, to Andrew Voss and um, Brandy Alexander so we we'll have Brandy after 11 o'clock uh, his take on that but uh, it sounds like it, it has happened uh, but more importantly for us of course
10: it's time to talk some cricket Two balls left in the over, two runs to win Southie to Root, pulls through the onside And that's the victory for England Out towards a mid-wicket
11: road. Root does it in style Hammering it away Out towards the tavern stand England victorious
2: By five wickets And in the end A clinical victory for the home side
4: yeah, it was clinical. It was five wickets and a low scoring test match, no doubt about it. The good news all round uh, for everyone in England, I've got a team that can uh, win test matches all of a sudden. And really good news for the fans that because the game only lasted less than 15 overs on the fourth day, they all got a free fund as well on their money for turning up. So that's great. But uh, joining us now uh, is Henry Moran, who, of course, uh, is part of our SENZ group. He was down on the, the field talking to both captains at the end of the game and. Picking up information, Uh, Henry travels the world doing cricket, of course, as well. A very recognisable voice. Henry, uh, thanks so much for staying up late for us. But I suppose you're in celebration mood, you England cricket fans.
10: Oh, steady on. I think, well, good morning to you, first of all, Smithy. I think, first of all, there's a little bit of just holding a little back in terms of the excitement for this England team. Because, yes, it was a five-wicket victory. So, On paper, that looks pretty good for England. But there is the big caveat of the fact that, once again, they're relying so much on the runs of Joe Root. We heard Adam Collins there on SENZ calling it home uh, and Root getting that 100 to take into 10,000 test runs and, uh, and all that he achieves for England in helping a side that is so vulnerable with the bat. So, yes, there is some excitement and there is a little bit of a sense that this new era under Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes has got off to the right start. But there is always that... That fear with England and their batting that they're only, what, two or three deliveries away from everything going horribly wrong.
4: Henry, did Kane Williamson and his tacticians make a mistake on day one when they had the advantage or they had the option of the advantage? Did they make a mistake batting
10: first? Oh, it's very difficult to say they they always say at lords you look up not down so look at what the weather is doing in terms of the cloud coverage and and yeah clearly the way that england went about things early on with james anderson and Stuart broad getting those early breakthroughs it's very easy to say yeah absolutely you should get england in particularly with the vulnerability that england have as i spoke about but but also at lords this is a ground where where run scoring uh, you know it, it, historically speaking england haven't fared that well there at lords So there would have been a significant amount of pressure had New Zealand been able to get a good score on the board because in recent years, England have struggled batting in the final innings. We saw that against India last year. They had a horrible collapse to lose that test match. And it has been a bit of a repeated theme that games at Lord's. England have struggled a little bit when they've, been, uh, when they've been put under a little bit of pressure in the final innings with the bat. So you can understand the thinking. Mm. And also, I think there's a fair amount of forgiveness for New Zealand, giving that, the, that they had quite an interrupted build-up to this game and so many of the players were straight in from the IPL.
4: OK, let's look at uh, what McCullum and Stokes would like to have achieved from this test. Number one, a win. Got that. Uh, number two, confidence for Stokes as a captain. Number three, finding out uh, one or two things about their players. Uh, uh, discovering a new bowler, which was good. Um, and the other thing that they talked about too, Henry, the big issue was putting uh, Joe Root back down to number four and Joe Root getting 100 to win the game for England. So uh, honestly, if you look at the whiteboard achievements or what they set out to achieve in this test match, apart from the fact they haven't still established a one, two or three, it was a bad result.
10: Yeah, they'll take that. And as you say, absolutely number one on the priority list was getting a win because one win in 17 going into this game is a pretty horrible record. They haven't won a test series since against Sri Lanka in the early part of 2021. So it has been a long time coming to get this victory and to get things moving. And also, the way that uh, the, the, the British sporting cycle works, we've just come to the end of the football season, so attention is beginning to turn towards cricket and to get a good start with this match at Lords, just to give people a bit of a reminder that this England Test side is there, we're going to have a big summer of cricket, is an important thing. And there's certainly a degree of excitement because Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes are dynamic as cricketers, we know that from their history, but also they're quite dynamic in how they've spoken about this this new Mm. change with England and uh, when I spoke to Ben Stokes for SENZ yesterday I was really interested when he said to me that you know Brendan McCullum said to him the night before the 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 final uh, final day of the game that Stuart Broad had been given license to go out there and just swing from the hip now he doesn't need much encouragement but so often England players have been told to be careful just protect your wicket go out there Get yourself in. But McCullum and Stokes clearly have a mentality that is right. Play to your strengths. We know Stuart Broad isn't going to hang around. So go out there, have some fun, get padded up and see if you can get us home with a victory. And that's just a little insight, perhaps, into a bit of freedom that has been given some of these players that over the last 12 months in particular have looked really hindered by the pressure of test cricket and how to go about playing.
4: Okay, let's uh, look at uh, a pretty handy innings, a handy supportive innings too by Ben Folkes. It's been long regarded as perhaps the best gloves man in in England, Um, but now establishing self uh, with an innings of substance as well.
10: Yeah, and he, he's also been long regarded as one of the least fortunate cricketers in the English setup too because last year he was standing by ready to make his Test debut at home. He'd played overseas and done well, but he was about to play at home and slipped over in the dressing room at the Oval, injured his foot and was out for the whole summer. And so he's been waiting a long time for this opportunity behind Johnny Bairstow and Joss Butler. And the question has never been about his keeping. It's whether he'd be able to play that supporting role in the middle order to offer what England need if they get their backs against the wall as they found themselves yesterday. And that partnership was really impressive with uh, with Joe Root, not because he necessarily scored a huge pile of runs. He was at the end uh, uh, 32, not out, which was... Very, very useful. And, you know, it's it's one of those innings, though, that I think the management and the coaching staff will look at that and think, you know, he hung around when so often we've seen a fragility and a brittleness to this England side. And that sort of toughness, mental toughness is so, so crucial to this side having success going forward. We know they've got a gun batsman in Joe Root. The question is those around Mm -hmm. him.
4: Have they found a, a really adequate backup for uh, for Anderson and Broad in terms of uh, Matty Potts, with so many England bowlers out injured at this pre- present point in time? Potts seemed to come through OK. And what of Anderson and Broad? What did you make of them?
10: Yeah, Potts is an exciting talent, there's no doubt about that. It'll be interesting to see how he goes in the next Test match and, and if he can continue with this really exciting start that we saw in this game. And as you say, there's a huge number of England bowlers that are missing at the moment, the likes of Geoffrey Archer, Chris Woke, guys that are regular players in this England Test side when they're fit, so there is an opportunity. And once again, we're looking at James Anderson and Stuart Broad as being those bowlers that are doing the business for England. Two wickets for Anderson in the second innings, three for Broad in the second innings including that that mad spell when three wickets fell in three balls and then the first innings it was a four for for jimmy anderson and he's heading towards his 40th birthday next month so this is a guy mm. that has has been around an awfully long time similarly Stuart broad well into his mid-30s now but and the crucial thing here i think is that they're bowling as well as they ever have and they've still got all that desire to play test cricket for england and the message that brendan mccullum and ben stokes have given early on in their tenure is quite a simple one if they're fit They're part of our best team and they play. And given the fact that they missed out on the tour to the West Indies because England were going for what felt like quite a confused red ball reset to try and find some new talent. The message is quite a simple one. If they are fit, they play because they're the best we've got. They're the best we've ever had. And they're still doing the business. They are supreme bowlers, particularly in English conditions. And England are very lucky to have them and want to make sure they get every single game and, uh, and day out of their career that they possibly can.
4: On that subject then of footballers, where does Jack Leach come into the equation? What, what is it needed for him to be available for Trent Bridge later this week? Uh, what about Parkinson? I mean, New Zealand effectively only had 10 players because Ajaz Patel was not a factor in the match whatsoever. Uh, do you see mm. spin being a, a, f- a feature at Trent Bridge? What What can we expect at Trent Bridge in early to mid-June?
10: Well, Trent Bridge is a ground where uh, Stuart Broad and James Anderson have had huge success as seam bowlers. It tends to be somewhere where particularly early on in the match, there is quite a lot of opportunity for the side bowling first. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that toss in terms of the spinners. Well, Jack Leach is right on the cusp of whether he'll be allowed to play because of the concussion protocol. So you need seven clear days between the incident happening and being able to play again. So that would take him up to the day before the game at Trent Bridge, because it happened on the first day at Lords, and so I would be surprised if he was to play Matt Parkinson, this exciting leg spinner. He did reasonably well, got his first Test wicket, and considering that he was hosting a barbecue on that first day when he got the call to get in his car and get down to Lords, <laughs> you've got to say he did pretty well to come down and uh, and make his Test debut and and do as well as he did. Inevitably, there's nerves with the, with a, ba- a debut at the home of cricket and uh, and all that sort of pressure, but. I think England have got quite a lot of excitement about Parkinson. He turns it sharply. He doesn't bat terribly well. He's not a great fielder, but England need to have a strike bowler who can uh, who can do the business as a spin bowler Jack Leach has offered a a lot but he's never quite had that control perhaps that England have been looking for so whether Trent Bridge is the sort of surface that offers that kind of uh, grip and turn that they'll be looking for that remains to be seen we've had a bit of rain in the last few days so that may make things a little more tricky for the spin bowlers but certainly in Parkinson I think now he's had his opportunity he'll get another go on uh, on Friday.
4: Test match only went to three in a slight bit days, uh, Henry. But there was talk before the test matches of uh, low crowd attendance. There was talk about a, a lack of interest, perhaps, in England test cricket at the moment. Um, people playing the waiting game on Stokes and McCullum partnership. What's your read after this early success? Did the fans react well?
10: Yeah, certainly. And and the, the ticket int- it, it, issue is an interesting one because so much of it is is reflected on on the cost of the tickets. Because going to watch test matches in England is an incredibly expensive thing, particularly at Lords, where tickets can range anything from 100 to 160 pounds per ticket without concessions and so if you're a family of four you're looking at 500 pounds or you know a thousand bucks before you've even got yourself a drink or got yourself to the venue so that is certainly an issue particularly given the the cost of living crisis at the moment and and one thing and another but whether there is a, a degree to which people are frustrated with this england side and the way they performed in the winter and they are just giving a little bit of a moment well that might be the case and that victory getting that early win is so so important and they'll also be just thinking you know we've got a summer ahead of us where there's a lot of sporting events taking place a commonwealth games are we going to save our money for that the hundred which is this competition that that has captured the imagination of the ticket buying public so there is certainly a little bit of pressure on this england side to ensure that they perform they entertain and that they make sure that they continue this positive start that we've seen in this first match i think the, the the one point that is becoming more of an issue in in england is selling tickets for days four and five we only just got into day four and they had to give a full refund as you say because it didn't last 15 overs. so you'd be a brave supporter to buy a ticket for day four and five because wickets tumble so quickly and that is actually going to be quite an issue for venues in terms of booking staff everything like that that goes uh, into staging a test match
4: couldn't have worked out better queen's jubilee weekend england win a test match boris johnson keeps his job it's the perfect weekend
10: uh, it, well, it depends who you ask on the last one. I imagine there's been a very dramatic night in UK politics. But uh, in terms of of what has happened with, with with the way the weekend has played out, and there was a certain sense around London and the, and the Queen's Jubilee. We saw the fly past in the distance. We could see those sort of World War Two planes just flying, making that amazing noise in the distance as they headed towards Buckingham Palace. And so there was a real sense of sort of carnival around uh, around London and around law across the weekend and it was really important that the weather behaved itself which it did which the team performed in a way that was a little more encouraging that happened as well and so there was quite a lot just in so many ways on this test match to make sure that things went well and England did well and that there was a sense of optimism that kind of went hand in hand with Mm -hmm. the street parties and everything else that was going on uh, across the country Mm -hmm. so it's a good result for England certainly And, uh, and we'll have to just wait and see to make sure that they continue this momentum because that is the absolute key. As we know, Test cricket can change in, in a heartbeat. It can be a very different story from one game to the next.
4: One thing that uh, won't change, just to finish off though, of course, is uh, the news that uh, Joe Root now, the Realisation, joins the 10,000-run club in Test cricket. Still a very young man, still a lot to offer England cricket. Goes down uh, already as one of England's greats
10: he does and the most amazing statistic about his 10,000 test runs is he did it the exact same age to the day that Alistair Cook did it a few years ago 31 years and 157 days and so there was all sorts of conversation on social media about what time of day they were born just to work out who had done it sooner but it is an extraordinary club and you look at the the age that Root is and the fact that he's given up the test captaincy I think is quite a significant thing in in his hopes for scoring more runs because at the end of that uh, that Ashes series the end of the West Indies series, he looked physically and emotionally drained. He's coming to this summer. He's looking like he's, he's Benjamin Button. He looks younger, fresher. He's smiling again. And if he continues to enjoy his cricket and continues to, to get the sort of uh, enjoyment out of scoring the runs that he seems to have done in the last, uh, certainly last week, but also in the last couple of years where his, his run scoring has been absolutely supreme, if not necessarily leading to the results on the pitch for the side that he was leading, well, then there's no reason he can't keep going for six, seven, years he's not the kind of guy you think well it's a matter of time before he's going to give up of the big four if you like Smith Williamson, Coley and Root there's only one in the last two years that has really been on that upward trajectory and you'd back him to score more than any of the others at the moment
4: yep there's no doubt about that he's in great nick and we're waiting for Captain Kane to fire into gear hopefully at Trent Bridge uh, where that might be what we know is you'll be there Henry and we look forward to um any correspondence that we get from you throughout uh, that particular test match. Uh, thanks so much for your input. Thanks for staying up so late for us. Enjoyed your, uh, the way you've enlightened us this morning. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it.
10: Anytime, and Good to speak to you, mate.
4: Yeah. Cheers, uh, Henry Moran. There, who Moran, who is uh, of course part of the SENZ mix uh, in terms of our commentary. He was on the ground doing the interviews on behalf of the BBC as well. So a very busy man travels the world uh, with his knowledge of cricket. Fantastic young man. Uh, It is 10.20 here at SENZ. Panel next, uh, we have got Jamie Wall and Lavina Good.
5: Big talk, big
2: opinions, the panel.
4: Looking forward to this, really am. Jamie Wall with us this morning, Lavina Good uh, on a morning uh, where we're hearing out of Australia of all places that uh, Nathan Brown and the Warriors have parted company. That is um, uh, something that was told by Michelle Ross who is a journalist on behalf of Seven Sports and uh, she was uh, talking uh, when she said that to Greg Alexander uh, and uh, also to uh, Andrew Voss. I think it was Michelle Ross, it might not be Michelle Ross but... Uh, In fact, it was Michelle Bishop. There you go, Ian. Get your names right. Uh, Lavina Good, good morning to you on that subject. Uh, Are you hearing anything? Does your info tell you anything? Have we seen the last of Nathan Brown?
0: Well, I did hear a rumour yesterday that it got around camp, that Nathan Brown had expressed to some of the players that um, he wasn't willing to come back and move to New Zealand when the Warriors were to return home for next season permanently. So if that's the case, Um, I guess there's been a fair bit of dissension in the ranks. And I'll be really honest with you, Smitty. I think the Warriors have been playing like a side that is showing no respect to their coach or a leadership platform whatsoever. They're not making tackles, making heaps of mistakes. And we've all been kind of going, what's going on with the Warriors on paper. They look really, really good, but the performance has been well and truly below par. I mean, losing five games in a row doesn't even have anything to do with it. It's just the, the culture and the attitude out on the pitch from the players. So, I did hear some rumours that apparently Nathan Brown had expressed his dissension that he didn't want to move to New Zealand, and you can just imagine if you're a New Zealand Warrior player, and you've got a coach saying, oh, "Fellas, love you, work hard, make the tackles, injure yourself, do what you've got to do," but I'm not going to move to New Zealand when you guys go home, even though you've been living in Australia since 2019 and made heaps of sacrifices. So. On the back of that, I guess the rumour mill has absolutely started and people are starting to question as to whether or not he'll have a future with the Warriors.
4: Absolutely pertinent word you use there is sacrifice. Now, uh, that to me is, is uh, integral in this, Jamie, because you ask your players as a coach, you ask your players to sacrifice uh, week after week, sacrifice your body, sacrifice everything you know for the sake of the team, etc., uh, here's a bloke who must have known at some point, uh, you know, all going well, the New Zealand Warriors were actually, funnily enough, going to play in New Zealand. What the hell's going on here, Jamie?
11: Well, to be honest, Smithy. and good morning to you, and good morning, Lavena. Um I find, it, I find the whole thing a little bit insulting, really, um, to think that, um, that, that I don't want to move to New Zealand. I mean, we've heard that from uh, you and Aitken, we've now heard it from Matt Lodge, and now we're hearing it from Nathan Brown. Um, would any of you be saying that uh, had the Warriors back doing all right and winning? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. And so to turn it into something like, oh, well, uh, you know, it's going to have a detrimental effect on myself and my family and, and whatever, it's just rubbish. You, you've been hired to do a job. Uh, surely, the, you know, you're going to be coming back to New Zealand at some stage. So I, I think this is just this whole move in New Zealand thing is, is a, it's just being used as a way of trying to get out of a, of a situation. Um, that they don't yeah. in. And I, honestly, I'm just running out of things to say to Warriors. Uh, we've had this conversation, like I said, like three times about this, this one issue. Um, Brown was always going to be on the outer uh, at, at, at some stage. Personally, I he might see out the rest of the season and just have conversations every week about how, how much worse the Warriors are getting. Uh, but, I mean, to see him go now isn't... If, if, if these rumours are true, to be fair, um, considering sort of come in the last hour or so uh, you know mm. if, if this was um uh, if this is if this is the case it's not going to be that much of a uh, a surprise really like where the Warriors go to that's the real and that's the thing we should really be talk about
4: well, that is, uh, I guess, uh, Lavina. That is the thing. We're too now. If that is the case, and he's not here this week, I mean, you can't get someone from uh, unless you could, I suppose, get someone from Australia. There's a Maguire floating around. We're told he could be gone. What would you do if you, if you, Cameron George, and uh, would you, would you wipe him now?
0: It's too late. They should have made a decision before the start of the year, and I'm sure he would have indicated way back then that if he had to move to New Zealand to. To be the caretaker of the Warriors, he was never going to do it. And that's when the owners and management should have said, you're not the right person for the job. He's displayed the fact he's not the right person for the job. He didn't have tremendous statistics for any other team, including the Newcastle Knights. So he was never top of the list when it came to best performing coaches. It was always going to be difficult to try and get a super coach over here. But, you know, I think when um, Cameron Smith retired from the Melbourne Storm at the end of last year it would have been really cool for the Warriors knowing full well that Craig Bellamy was about to give up his post at the Melbourne Storm to put all that money on the line and say how about the two of you come over and teach us about team culture because that's something that the Melbourne Storm has certainly had over the past decade so those decisions needed to be made six months ago Smitty and you know hindsight's great but foresight is so much better in the game of rugby league and it's too late they've lost five games in a row they're not playing for um, any pride whatsoever with their jersey. They're not performing for their coach. You've never heard any of the players say anything decent about Nathan Brown like they used to say about Ivan Cleary. And I look back to when Ivan had that four-year tenure and he wanted an extra extra three years on his contract and the Warriors said, "No, nah, mate, we'll only give you one year. And then he goes off, does a bit here and there and ends up taking the Penrith Panthers to a premiership mm. victory last year and is likely to do the same again this year. They're the people that you can't afford to lose. They're the people that are the future of the club and they've replaced Ivan Cleary with someone that is slightly Mickey Mouse that doesn't have any respect in the club whatsoever and can't even be bothered living in Aotearoa to run our NRL team. So he's the wrong man for the job, but replacement-wise, I don't think there's anyone out there unless you want to give Steve Price a tap on the door and see what he's doing in Queensland at the moment. So he might be able to Mm -hmm. come over and sort a few things out. But there's no answers for the Warriors. They're performing below par. I heard Reece Walsh saying yesterday, the team needs to be accountable for the mistakes that they made. And I'm like, Reece, what about the intercepts you gave away Buddy to Saab when they ran away on the scoring try? Like, let's get ownership ourselves. We are performing bad because there's no team culture because there's dissension in the ranks because we know our coach doesn't want to move to the country that we all want to live in and play in. And it needs to be said. Questions need to be asked of the players and management that I don't think replacing Nathan Brown is going to make any difference to the Warriors this year and it sounds like he's not going to be there next year.
4: No, it might not even be there tomorrow by the sound of it. It's 10.32 here on uh, SCNZ. Uh, short break for the news with Arahat. when we come back. Plenty more to talk about with Jamie Wall and Lavina Good.
2: Talk, Big Opinions, the panel. Talk,
4: talk, talk me, yeah. Yeah. Levina good with us this morning, as is Jamie Wall, and Jamie, first result for the Black Ferns, a positive one, so they get back on the winning ways under Wayne Smith initially, 23-10 over Australia, did, what did you make of that?
11: Uh, well, definitely a game of two halves uh, yesterday, um, they looked uh, all at sea in the first, and there was <laughs> definitely all at sea. Because it was absolutely hosing down yesterday in Aoronga. Um, but it was really puzzling to see them try and run the ball from everywhere and do quick taps and and pretty much just play dry weather football. Um, and the Wallaroos just turned around and uh, straight up the middle and thoroughly deserved it. Uh, it a ten 0 lead just before half time. Before the Black Ferns finally kind of realised that they probably need to take a more direct approach. And then when they were in the second half, that paid dividends because they. They pretty much rolled over the top of them, scored uh, three really good tries, mm-hmm. and um, you know set themselves up for you know it's a good bit of momentum um, heading into this, this tournament because they really needed it. Uh, there were seven points in that team yesterday. Um, uh, a couple of them acquitted themselves really, really well, um, especially loose forward Kaipo, Olsen, Baker, um, out of Manawatu. She played really, really well. So there's some really promising signs there. Um, How we I will say that, you know, once again, um, the things that let them down were the same things that let them down on that tour, which was set-piece discipline. Um, quite a few lineouts went away. Um, scrum was a little bit wobbly. However, it was fixed really well in the second half when they replaced the entire front row. Uh, so that's some really promising signs. Uh, and, and you know, just a few offsides and silly ruck pen um, just probably gave the Australians far more of a chance in that game than they probably deserved. However, you know, the Aussies did play pretty well. But, uh, you know, like I said, good start, a new, new regime, I guess you, can, you could say, um, the new culture of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think that, um, you know, it was always going to be pretty messy uh, to start off with. The good thing is is that while while they didn't really start that well, they definitely finished well. So looking forward to next weekend. Um, big game up here in Auckland against uh, Canada on Sunday. So hopefully you can turn up for that one.
4: Levina, what did you make of it?
0: I'd like to make an official apology to Wayne Smith. I critiqued uh, the fact that the, he would be the head coach of the Black Ferns. I felt as though with the changing of the game, there were some opportunities for some female coaching to maybe take over the national side. But I had the pleasure of interviewing Wayne, actually, on Thursday prior to the game. And uh, before we got the cameras rolling, he just kept saying how excited and how proud and how privileged he was to be coaching this side. And then I managed to have a little all with a number of team members, and they all said the same thing, like he carry so much mana and they feel so privileged that he's in that head role and they'll play out of their skin to make sure that they perform really well out on the pitch for Wayne Smith. So I feel as though um, that criticism from me was unjustified, uh, not just because of the interview, but also the performance from the Blackburns. They had to come from behind to beat the Wallaroos. The the Wallaroos were there to play. I interviewed them as well. And their captain, Shannon Parry, who, mark my word, will one day be the coach of that Australian female rugby side said, we're here to rewrite the history books. We haven't beaten the Blackburns in 19 test matches and now it's time to do it. And they started just like that with their attitude uh, out on the rugby field. But the Blackburns had to come from behind a a side that has faced a really dramatic tumultuous start to the year on the back of that uh, European tour. Uh, New coach, debutants coming in, questions as to the team culture and what's happening. And I really thought they had to dig deep for that performance. So as they look forward to the World Cup, I would say they're in a much better place than what they were when they came back from that tour. They've got the right man for the job as they move forward. But the most important thing is, and I'm very much unlike the Warriors, is that the Black Ferns, the women in that rugby team, are certainly playing for their coach and they want to win for their coach. And that's how come they played so well in that second half against Australia yesterday.
4: All right, well, Lavina, Le- Le- I'll uh, I'll stay with you. Well, let's hope the same can be said then. Now about the White Ferns uh, under their new coach Ben Sawyer. It's the worst kept secret in town there for about a week? But he is the new coach for the White Ferns, and tomorrow he comes up with his Commonwealth Games squad. So uh, he he's uh, straight into the business side of it. Uh, so, Lavina, um, yeah, what have you made of of, of that? And it, it seemed to take forever to come to this point, but maybe that's just me.
0: It took too long to, to name um, Sawyer. I know he's 42 years of age. He's, he's just signed up on that two year contract. And I, I've kind of followed his career a bit over in Australia. I think he's been part of that fast bowling coaching team for a while now and has certainly had an impact on to the successful um, ventures of the Australian cricket team. So he brings with him a wealth of experience and the ability to be able to to coach a women's cricket side, which is really cool. Initially, I wasn't too sure if they would um, opt to go with him, but I see that the captain of the White Ferns, Sophie Devine, has come out and said that they wholly support the decision for Ben um, and they'll play tremendously well for him. But yeah, I mean, the Commonwealth Games are just around the corner in Birmingham. So he'll have to find a way to gel the new players. And there's a lot of new players as well. We talked a few weeks ago about the changing of the garden. You know, the performance from the White Ferns in that um, World Cup series, I was really critical of them. I thought maybe that they had to have some new players come in because some of the maturing players had certainly seen the best of their cricketing years behind them. And it was time for a change. So whether or not, you know, New Zealand cricket went went about it the right way, I, I don't know the answer to that. But I was hoping for change, and there is a change now. There's some new blood, there's some new players coming in, and now they have an experienced coach, which they do say have the backing of the players, so onwards and upwards for women's cricket in New Zealand at this stage.
4: Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. What I find a little bit interesting about this whole process, his forte in the game, Ben Sawyer, is fast bowling. Uh, He's the bowling coach of Australia, and he's he's moulded a pretty good unit there, there's no Mm -hmm. doubt about it. He comes into a side now, which was picked, uh, we understand, without his knowledge, uh, in terms of the contracts anyway, which does not include our best fast bowler for the last five to six to seven years, and Leah Tahuhu. Immediately, he doesn't have her, even though she was still available. Find that a little bit interesting.
11: Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. This is, I was just about to um, bring up that, you know, while it's, it's good that, Uh, you know, New Zealand cricket are making some bold moves around this team, you know, a team that's that's underperformed, as we've just mentioned, um, that they've done it in this way, that they've cleaned house uh, and then brought in a guy who wasn't part of that house-cleaning exercise. So they're they're giving him a team that that he he now has to kind of work with. And like you say, uh, he doesn't have probably the key weapons that he wants in there. Uh, to to to, to mould into a unit. Um, he's got a very young side um, to, to work with, uh, you know, lacking experience. Um, you know, there's a lot of promise in there, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I don't ha- have that much of a problem with what they've done with the White fence there because something clearly uh, needs to change. But you would think, at the very least, that if you were going to overhaul this system, uh, this culture, as much as you possibly were, that you would bring someone in who is going to lead that change right from the start, because it it very much feels like he's kind of just been brought in and been given an assignment that that he didn't really have any any hand in making. I mean, unless there's something that they're not telling us. But uh, I'd be very interested to see what he can do. The good thing about this situation, I think, is that they now go to the Commonwealth Games, which is obviously like a bit of an anomaly of a tournament. Um, And... If they don't do well on this, there's obviously not as much pressure on the, with the Home World Cup. So they sort of have this rebuilding phase uh, to work with here. So, I mean, good luck to Ben Sawyer um, and his young his young team. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they obviously, after this is done, they need to start producing some results.
4: Uh, Lavina, New Year's, uh, not New Year's, Queen's birthday on his list over the weekend. And Dame Ruth Aiken. Nice.
0: Very deserving. Very deserving. Um, I had the. To fortune of interviewing her for several years when I was presenting the netball um, many years ago, back in the day before the wrinkles, mate. That's when they hire TV presenters is when you don't have wrinkles. Um, But Dame Ruth, honestly, (laughs) a a, a worthy, definitely a worthy recipient. And the thing for me, when I was interviewing her and I first met her, she had a couple of kids on the bench that were going over to Australia, these pimply little teenagers, you know, 16 and 17 years of age, Laura Langman and Casey Corpore, or Casey Williams as she was back then, And they were babies. And thanks to Ruth Aitken, she didn't just develop them into being key figures on the netball court, but they were leaders of their sport. And they turned out to be the most phenomenal communicators. And they were shy kids from the Waikato that didn't even, you know, play in front of a stadium or an indoor court most of the time. And she helped develop them not just to be great netballers, but fabulous leaders in the community. And I think it's very, very worthy that she is a recipient here at Queen's Birthday Weekend because, you know, she's one person that has given a lot of her trade and her skill, not just to be a great coach by being a technical, astute netballer, but by teaching young people how to become great people. And she deserves every accolade she gets.
4: Might have to save your bickies for the weekend of uh, September 24th, 25th, Jamie Wall, because uh, well, you'll get a, pre- a press pass anyway, but anyone coming to Auckland might not, might have to save their bickies. It looks as if uh, the All Whites will be playing Australia on the 25th of September, uh, the All Blacks playing Australia on the 24th. That's not a bad bonanza.
11: Oh, i be keen That's to get really on the helpful. bickies if you are, Smitty, um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend. Um there's, uh, it's been, what, t- 10 years, 10, 11 years since uh, the All have played Australia and uh, how, I can't, Yeah, I was just looking at the stats before, it's just been, I can't believe it's taken this long um, to get uh, some sort of fixture against a team that really that should be happening every year when you when you think about it. I know obviously um, international football is a bit of a different beast than, say, rugby or cricket uh, in terms of organising international fixtures, but this is going to be awesome. Um especially if uh, the all Whites can pull off uh, a big one in that um, World Cup qualifier, because this will be seen uh, as, obviously, a massive momentum uh, into the World Cup. But even if they don't make it, this is still just going to be a huge, huge event uh, for the game mm. uh, here in Auckland because of the... Uh, but just because they haven't, it's such a rare occurrence. I was at the Phoenix against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers game not that long ago, really good turnout um, for that game because there's just so much passionate support for football here and I think they're going to pull in a lot of uh, non-people who probably wouldn't uh, pay that much attention to football in the country as well just because uh, I just think there's a lot of good feeling around um, the the All Whites at the moment, you know, they're a good young side, um, very talented, mm-hmm. um, very diverse bunch, and just a likable team. So yeah, really, really looking forward to this one.
4: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Lavina, good Jamie Wall have been our panelists this morning. Thank you very much, Lavina. You might want to uh, head away and catch up with uh, an announcement from the Daily Telegraph, which has, has said Warriors uh, severed ties with their coach prior even to the scheduled emergency meeting. So I'll leave you two to digest that um, and come up with it w- with what you will. It is 10.46. Thank you so much for your input. We shall have another panel tomorrow morning at the same time and I'll bet your bottom dollar.
2: Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
3: SENZ.
4: Thanks to James for the heads up on that uh, big weekend of September 24th, 25th. Australia playing uh, New Zealand at both codes. Uh, And I'm talking about rugby here and football. Uh, First time in 10 years playing against Australia. Quite incredible. Uh, Stephen has come in and said, uh, Smithy, since 1995, the Warriors have had 13 coaches, about to be 14 in the same period. Manly have had five. Penrith Seven, the Storm have had just three. Time for Stacey Jones to stack up. 50 plus as coach. His time is now. That's from Stephen. Um, PD has said, hey Smithy, there seems to be a common denominator here if this Nathan Brown chat is true. Um, I wonder if Mark Robinson is the reason why Todd Payton changed his mind about coaching the Warriors on TV. Uh, Get Scott Robertson up to Mount Smart, says Sean, as soon as possible. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, it's it's a mess, no doubt about it We'll be back very shortly with Louis and Brendan Popperwell
2: New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand Summer or winter He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa
3: This is Mornings with Ian Smith On SENZ
0: The loveracing.nz update Your home for everything thoroughbred racing Visit loveracing.nz Racing's biggest fan
4: just very, very quickly across to Louis Herman Watt this morning. Uh, Nelson McDougall, five out of the first six races at Hastings yesterday. The drum, jump season is underway.
9: Yeah, they're freakish, aren't they, Smitty? I mean, just master preparers. And any jumper you get, and you, there was a couple that it was there, uh, one in particular motivation, it's first time over the sticks, another one only been over once or twice, and you just know they're so well schooled, they put so much time in. And, and Jodel and Gal, but Carl Henderson later in the meet. We tipped her out and she was so impressive. I think Jodalyn is a really nice mare that moving forward is going to win some really nice races. So good to see her go well. Uh, the Cossack is the best jumper in the country. I don't know too much about jumps racing, but I know that he is a hell of an athlete. And as, as you said, the, um, the Paul Nelson, Karina McDougal team, I mean, they were just on fire. What excellent horse people.
4: Absolutely flying, uh, Louie, My apologies for cutting it short this morning. Uh, BP over at the TAB. BP, uh, not a big racing day today. What have we got on the sporting side of things?
10: Look, we'll jump to um, the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. Currently, and uh, is a nice bet to look into here. Uh, with the Oilers match starting shortly, total goals under seven at a dollar seventy
1: six. This has been strongly
10: played. Uh, this match will be starting in about an hours uh, about an hours time. Of course, Colorado are leading that series currently, but under total goals at seven, at 176. Toronto Blue Jays, well-backed in the baseball, starting shortly against Kansas City. They're 149 uh, currently. And New South Wales have just
9: taken a $5,000 bet on them to win the State of Origin tomorrow night. They're 163,
2: Queensland 223.
4: Brendan Popple there from the TAB. Straight after 11 o'clock, we'll have Brandy Alexander. Couldn't have better.
2: For making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic,
3: nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: We have got Greg Brandy Alexander very shortly. He's just wrapping up his breakfast show in Sydney. They've been busy over there because they've been leaking information that we've been suspecting for a long period of time. And we're hearing it, uh, as uh, Arahad just pointed out on the news, through Channel 7 in Australia. Uh, they're saying that uh, Nathan Brown has gone even before the emergency meeting, uh, parting ways with him. Uh, and there was another element yesterday as as well that was quite interesting. Kempi was actually saying uh, this morning on breakfast that he was uh, looking at uh, perhaps Sean Johnson, hanging up uh, the boots a lot sooner than expected. And this was the reaction from uh, Greg Alexander himself on his breakfast show out of Sydney.
12: Look, he, he's not that brilliant player. And, and I was an unabashed Sean Johnson fan, um, you know, through the years because he could do things that not many other players could do. Actually, he could, And he made those difficult things look easy, how he just peel open a defensive line with his footwork or whether whether it was a you know a well-timed pass to someone in space but he's lost that that zip and and that's that's what happens he's had an achilles tendon injury like so that's fine like he's lost that brilliance but you know he's out there to have he's got the experience and the knowledge to be able to talk the, the Warriors around the field, and and you know, we've spoken mm. many times about how important it is to have a voice out there look what Jackson Hastings has done for the for the Tigers but he can't even kick the ball these days without it going out in the mm. full or it not going where he wants to like, yeah, there's there's just... every game. Every game yeah, there's errors every game, um, every game there's
2: errors Every
12: game, like you, you know, and he's got errors in his game now um, so Tony Kemp he mightn't be that far off the mark No
4: yeah, very interesting actually that um, uh, To to say that he, he might not be that far off the mark um, What about the, the reaction from Benji Marshall To the fact that uh, people have, have been saying They don't go out and play for their coach all the time This was odd Yeah, it was interesting listening to him talk there You know, talking about how he doesn't coach to pressure How he doesn't
11: listen to that He coaches to what he thinks his ideas are And one of the things I took away That I was actually quite puzzled about was that he said sometimes we don't go into games thinking we can win, but we want to compete. Oh, I know when it was, wasn't that long ago when I played, but I went into every game thinking I could at least win the game or try and win the game, yeah. not just trying to compete. And so if that sort of thing's filtering through the side, well, that's not a good thing. You know. So he's definitely under pressure, like five losses in a row. They're not in a good spot on the table. Yeah, worst defence in the competition,
13: mm. and, and they've lost nine of their opening 13 rounds. Mm.
4: Staggering. So that was uh, Benji Marshall's reaction to the fact that uh, Nathan Brown has been saying that they don't go out uh, to win every game. They almost just uh, put uh, a sticking plaster on it and hope it doesn't go so bad. That's what it sounds like, uh, which is really odd. Really odd indeed for a, such a high profile job and, uh, and and such a high profile competition. We heard from uh, Greg Alexander just uh, prior to that uh, on his thoughts about Sean Johnson. Uh, he was on the Breakfast Show yesterday. He's been uh, generous enough to give us some more time uh, today here on uh, SENZ in the mornings. Uh, just finished his own very busy breakfast show. Greg, thanks so much for your time. When we're hearing that you're getting information a lot sooner than us over here and uh, that uh, it's been reported uh, through, I think, Channel 7 that uh, Nathan Brown was, has walked before uh, he's even uh, looked at being pushed.
13: Yeah, that's right, Ian. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know exactly how it's, how it's happened in terms of uh, who made the decision um, to start with, when we heard that Nathan Brown was having a meeting this morning, but that he'd informed the Warriors that he wasn't, he didn't want to move to New Zealand to coach. Um, I, I guess that, that that got you thinking. Well, you know, who's who's come up with the, who started the conversation? Um, and I and I really did think that by the time they got to this meeting, which never happened, it was supposed to happen at nine o'clock in our time, Eastern um, Eastern Standard Time, but. We got the news a little early in that, around 8 o'clock, that Nathan Brown had coached his last game. So uh, there'll be an interim put in, whether that's Stacey Jones or Justin Morgan um, or someone else, I'm not sure. But um, I I think, look, my my read on it is that Nathan Brown, after the performance against Manly, which was... Look, there's been some, you know, and again, you have to preface this with the fact that the Warriors have done, a, you know, have done it tough for the last two years. Uh, but I thought in terms of their effort and just aside not wanting to play, that was the greatest example I've seen over the last couple of years uh, that they just didn't want to be out in the field against Manly. It was a horrible first half from them. And after watching that, I thought, well, something's got to give here. Something's got to happen. Uh, and it has, I, I you know, uh, I, I'm calling the. I'm, I'm flying up the Redcliffe on Sunday to do the Warriors Sharks game. I'm intrigued about what I'm going to get from the Warriors now. Mm. Um, it, it makes it interesting, but um, yes. So Nathan Brown no longer the coach. It's it's massive news, and we're we're, we're a day out from Origin, and it's taken over that.
4: You know the perfect guy to talk to in this scenario Now I've I, I got to ask you Do you think this not wanting to coach In New Zealand and reside in New Zealand Is a smokescreen uh, If the Warriors were a good side uh, Performing well, top 8 candidate Playoff candidate, would that be the attitude And how the hell can you use that in As an excuse anyway, I mean this is the New Zealand Warriors, you made the sacrifice To come across, anyone must know That when they sign for a side like that They've got to spend some time away from home Concerted time away from home, surely
13: yeah, I I am with you on on what you first said. I, I think it's a smokescreen, uh, and whether you know whether the worries have said to Nathan, look, um, you know,
7: uh,
13: you, you, you you can't go any further. It's not working. Uh, use this line as you as you get out. Line. Of course, everyone knew what the, the situation hasn't changed at, at the start of the year. You know, Nathan Brown knew at some stage, and not this season, but next season, he would be moving back to the Warriors. I don't know if anything's changed in Nathan Brown's circumstance as to why, but your point, Ian, on if they were travelling well, would it happen? No way. No
6: way.
4: Yeah, uh, that's a, that is to me. It, it just sticks out like the nose on on the proverbial face to me. Uh, okay, yeah. so right, we, we know that that's going to happen. Uh, we've still got a, a rugby season to complete, etc. As you say, you've got yeah. to travel uh, up to Redcliffe to call them this weekend. Who do you think will be in charge? Who's ready and equipped? If anybody is to go in there right now.
13: Oh, uh, right now, look, I, I yeah, I, I don't know what the best scenario is for the Warriors right now but you're, we're only halfway through the season we're, we've got a half a season to go and I know the Warriors do go back and start playing some games in New Zealand uh over the next few weeks which is a, which is a good thing it's you know but yeah you know, uh, you know I, I feel for the Warriors fans they, they want to have a side that they can be proud of that they can support um and they're not in that situation at the moment uh long term I think they need an experienced coach. They need someone that has ridden the ups and downs. It's a, it's it's going to be a, a you know a tough situation for any coach to walk into, um, but not impossible. By no means impossible. Um, I would be looking long term for a coach that has done it, that that's been there. And there's a few hmm. of those coaches floating around. And there might even be a few coaches that are coaching right now that are available. I I've got a feeling. You know, I, I just think and we've heard overnight that Michael McGuire might have coached his last game or in, or it might be this weekend. Michael Maguire might be on the on the books. He might be on the on the books of the Warriors or one of those coaches that they can grab. So, you know, there's Shane Flanagan, there's Paul Green, they've both won premierships. Uh, it I think it needs to be someone that's that's ridden that wave of NRL success but also failure and knows how to get a club out of trouble.
4: Well, see, that Maguire fits that mould perfectly. He's been a successful coach, but the thing that worries me about him coming here is that one of the things that Nathan Brown always came in with here, he, has, he wasn't actually an established, uh, top-quality coach with a great success rate, uh, and a losing-type coach would just perhaps come in with the same type of reputation, I suppose. I'm not quite sure what his dressing room technique is compared to a Nathan Brown is he the kind of guy who can walk in as the current Kiwis coach and say to this group of players, "Look, fellas, um, uh, I'm the new broom coming in here. Uh, can the new broom make a difference in a week, or, or a week, or two weeks, or in half a season?" Brandy, I think that's mm. the point we're trying to ask over here.
13: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if it can make a difference short term. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that you know those a couple of those coaches. Maguire and Flannigan are both very strong personalities. They're very strong men. They're very strong coaches. Um, you know, I, I guess you know they could make a difference because of their their personalities and the way they deal with things. What um, uh, you know, whether that turned, but you know, Smitty, you, you're just looking at you know the effort from the Warriors. If if you know, and and you need to be buying into what the coach is saying and. Um, you know, obviously they've they've bought out the Warriors in, in what Nathan Brown's offering them, and uh, that can lead to those sort of performances that we saw on the weekend. Whether whether the season can be saved, it can be certainly. Uh, you know, I, I think there can be much better performances from the Warriors if they get the effort out of the players, or the, the you know the performances um, improve dramatically.
4: Well, here's. uh, I'll just go one step, uh, perhaps a little bit further back if I can. I mean, you know the scene, you know the NRL scene, you know what management or ownership of a club looks like. Um, And I uh, I look at this scenario here, this Mark Robinson seems to want to be front and centre of things. I mean, you you can have high-profile owners um, when things are going well, um, but I'm not sure when they aren't, and, and I tend to think an owner should just be that. Uh, and then you've got a guy who basically is gazumping everything he says. Is like, well, what's the point of Cameron George saying anything at all? So uh, I, I don't think you can do anything about ownership until someone wants to buy this guy out or, or or whatever happens. So, but that team, that seems to be an issue coming through. Mark Robinson's name as owner seems to be front and centre way too too often.
13: Yeah, well, there's a there's a number of clubs that are that are privately owned and. I, I guess it depends on the personality of that owner as to how much or how little he is wanted to be seen or heard from, um, and then it's the and then it's the relationship between the owner who does hold all the cards um, and the the man in in charge or the man in charge of running the club and, and running the day to day business, and that's that's the CEO. So depending on that personality of, of the and we can't change we, you know we can't change people's personalities. They might be an, an outfront type of person, but uh, you need to sort of be able to work with that. and I, I guess if you are the CEO, you need to be a strong character and, and to be able to manage that. You know you don't want your owner. he, uh, he is tipping the money in, but how, how good is it running a club? You know he might have the cash, but his knowledge of running a club and making decisions? Uh, they mightn't be the best, and they might they might be made on emotion. Uh, that's not the best fit. Uh, so if you if you've got an owner that likes to be like, uh, likes to be out front, likes to be heard, and likes to be seen, you need to be a very strong CEO, and you need to be able to manage that uh, and in what's best for your club. So yeah, that, that's another that's another thing that the Warriors have to deal with at present, apart from finding a coach. <laughs>
4: Let's talk on a, a positive league uh, side, if we can, Brandy. Something that's always very well received on this side of uh, of the, the Tasman, of course, is State of Origin. State of Origin 1 is just tomorrow night. It's as uh, quickly as that coming around. Uh, you're, of course, heavily involved uh, in the New South Wales camp. You've had, I think, you've had Alexander Volkanovsky in there paying a visit to the Blues camp. How did that go?
13: Uh, that was good. He was terrific. He spoke very well, and he just spoke about his process in terms of getting ready for a fight and it was very applicable, um, to what the new to what players go through in origin. Um, yeah, it is a three game series, but it's almost like three grand finals. Um, and you are getting yourself ready, uh, to go where your body normally wouldn't take you. Um, and you know, he, he spoke about a lot of things that were very, um, very applicable to what uh, the, the players go through, so that was that was a good little session that we had with him last week um, it, it is it 's a good week to be involved with the, the, the best players in the game and to watch how they work and watch how they prepare themselves and watch how they uh, form a, a bond um, uh, very quickly uh, as to you know what 's needed when you get out in the field and and they rely on each other it, it doesn 't matter you know what Freddie does. You know, Freddie can't play for them. It's, you know, they're accountable for everything themselves, and it's a it's a joy to to be involved with you know the players and the coaches here uh, with the Blues, and it has been for the last four years. We've still got the nucleus of that side still together. The um, players have come in and come out of the side, and we've got four players that will make their debut tomorrow night. And their families came in last night and handed out their jerseys and. Uh, we had Sam Burgess also in as to, to hand out the, the other players' jerseys, the ones that have been here before. So that, that's an emotional and a very important part of the, the, the build-up for, for Origin, and uh, hopefully, the, you know, these blokes are ready to get the job done tomorrow night.
4: Do you sense your guys are ready?
13: Sorry, Smitty. I, I, you, what was that?
4: Did you, do you sense that that your guys are in the right space at this point, out at twenty four hours out? You think they're ready?
13: Yeah, uh, I do. Yes, absolutely. I, I think they are, they're, and they're all you know the best professionals we've got. And um, you know, being ready and getting and, and actually winning the game doesn't always equate, but um, yeah, I I, I think they're ready, mate.
4: Okay, let's uh, just come before we let you go. A couple of the matchups, which are uh, clearly interesting, in the halves. Where, where do you see that that panning out?
13: Uh, well, well, um, you know, the the halves are in great form, like uh, the Queenslanders. Yeah, Cameron Munster hasn't played as consistently well, I think, in his career. And you know, he had a a bit of a re- reality check at the, the back end of last year and obviously realised he needed to change some things. We've seen him play some great football for the Melbourne Storm. Cherry Evans is a... Is, I've always been a fan of Cherry Evans for the last decade, even when when the Queensland weren't picking him. Um, you know, I, I remember I used to say to the Queensland commentators, well, what about Cherry Evans? Is he a chance? And they sort of used to scoff at me, like, oh, well, as if we'd pick Cherry Evans, but uh, Cherry Evans is a great player, and... He always rises to the occasion. Doesn't matter whether his form is a bit scratchy with Manly, and then we've got the Penrith boys as halves for the for the Blues. And you know Nathan's arguably the best player in the competition. Nathan Cleary, uh, Jerome is a great foil for him. Uh, Jerome had a great series in his debut series last year. Um, Missed game three. Both of them missed game three last year, and. Uh, we ended up losing that game. And, and, you know, that was a big reason, the fact that those two weren't there. But the combination between Yo, Cleary and Luai uh, will be pretty important for us tomorrow night.
4: And uh, to disco Ponga, that battle?
13: Uh, Ponga's, yeah, Ponga's a great player. And, yeah, Newcastle have been struggling. He's done it tough in... A few of the games that the, the the Knights have played this year, but he's a he's a great player, and great players generally rise to the occasion. Tomorrow night's a big game; he'll be he'll be very good for them, um, you know. And James Tedesco at the back for us has been well; he's our most experienced. He's played 16 games, Teddy, um, and the leadership certainly suits him. He rises he rose to the occasion last year and just imposed himself on the game to make sure we would win and. His form's been good for the, for the roosters and he'll be a key for us again tomorrow night.
4: Greg Alexander, uh, thank you so much. I know you've been really busy this, yourself this morning covering over on your own show, but uh, fantastic that you've taken the time uh, to enlighten us uh, on your take on what's going on over here and what a bloody mess it is. But, hey, thanks, mate. Uh, and, no, worries and, enjoy, no worries, Enjoy, Enjoy tomorrow night. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Should be a great occasion. Thank you.
13: I, I will. Pleasure to talk, mate.
4: Yeah, cheers, Greg Alexander, there with us, folks. Always available to us, which is absolutely fantastic. And yes, uh, I look forward to that battle too between Kalen Ponga uh, and, of course, uh, James Tedesco. There was a time I I thought where they thought that Tedesco might be, uh, might not be available, but certainly up and firing. And wouldn't wouldn't you just love to be a fly on the wall in one of those dressing rooms uh, as they prepare to go out? I mean, I've sat in a few dressing rooms uh, in my time, but. Uh, I don't think we've ever reached that kind of tension, that kind of bite the hook off a coat hanger uh, just prior as you're walking out, that kind of thing where you could just bust something in half when you're walking out the door. Uh God, it just makes you fired up and ready to watch it, doesn't it? Uh, it's 11.21 here on SENZ. We'll be back very shortly. I'm going to take you guys apart today. Just see the attitude I'm coming through on Stump Smithy? I'm going to take you guys apart this morning. You ring up at your peril. See, that's the kind of attitude we need in the Warriors. I want to compete. I want to take you on. I'm not going to sit back today. I'm going to hit you and make sure that the 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers and the sleep Drops stay in our position after today's game. Uh, but that's uh, about eight or nine minutes away. We'll take a short break while I take a tranquilizer and settle down.
2: New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in
3: Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: Well, it's been the talk of the morning. It's the talk of every damn morning, really, isn't it? It's the Warriors, and, boy, we've had some ticks in this morning. Just shows the character of the Warriors. Don't give a toss about their fans and announce the sacking of the coach and Aussie first. I'll never support them, Mark. uh, Says, Mark, uh, unless they are playing against the Roosters. You must hate the Roosters a hell of a lot, mate, to be fair. Uh, Jared has come in. Jared always gives us uh, some really cool stuff. Well, what a circus at the Warriors H2. We've lost close to half a dozen players recently and now the current coach can't be bothered to front up in New Zealand at Mount Smart when uh, there could have been some hope of at least some decent results. Anyway, uh, there is obviously something very toxic at the club. We can kiss goodbye to yet another successful season, as Brandy Alexandra pointed out. Only halfway through the season. God, it, looks like, it feels like it's been forever, doesn't it, to be perfectly honest? Doesn't it feel like the season has just gone on forever already? Um. really, um, well uh, here's a, a very pertinent text, this has just come in, the legend Stacey Jones is not the answer, he is currently the attack coach, something we cannot do as attack needs someone else, well I can tell you right here and now Chris uh, on the Warriors website they are saying that Brown is gone, they're confirming on their website that Brown is gone, Nathan Brown no longer attached to the Warriors in any capacity and yes, the new coach the interim coach standing in is Stacey Jones now? The Warriors are saying that themselves on their website. So Chris, uh, already you're not in favour of what's going on there. So uh, that, of course, is uh, really, really interesting. Uh, and uh, JJ, JJ, uh, thanks very much for this text. I'm happy that Brown has gone immediately. If only his assistants could go too. A defence is rubbish. Attack is rubbish. Game strategy is rubbish. I don't believe we need a. a uh, I don't believe we need a Kiwi coach. We need someone who can connect, build rapport, develop and motivate players. Ivan Cleary did it. So did Todd Payton when he was here. I would suggest Flanagan in immediately and he can bring in his assistance. He rebuilt Cronulla from the scrap heap and his players were united behind him. Sean Johnson should retire. He's gun-shy in attack and a turnstile on defence and has never really been a leader. <coughs> Remember that the senior players uh, didn't want him last time he was pushed out the door. He wouldn't get a contract anywhere else on his current form. I'm so disillusioned, but we have to do something, not just stick to Nathan Brown's plan, which is not there anymore. Uh, obviously, JJ, I can't believe he said they don't want to play to win. You always try to win. Even if the odds are against you, you find a way, even something out of the box, like how the Tigers played back in 2005. Find out how to make the most of our strengths, not to play to some copied formula. Now, this is interesting for me that uh, Stacey Jones is coming. Great respect for Stacey Jones, absolutely uh, the best, one of the best. I mean, when I think Warriors, first name I think of in their history, Stacey Jones, absolutely, total respect for him as a player there. But what a job is, uh, what a job is that uh, that he has got in front of him now. What a job is is going to be, I don't know. Um, where, where's your priority first? What do you fix first? Do you fix attitude? Do you fix tactics? Do you fix personnel What is it? If you write the whiteboard, if uh, Stacey Jones has probably got one right now, things I have to do this week. Right. First of all, I've got to want them to to run out the dressing room door and want to play. And I hope, like heck, that they want to play for me. I hope they don't associate me uh, along with the Nathan Brown that they clearly did not want to play for. Please don't let them think about me the same way. Uh, That would be the first thing. Then right, let's uh, once we build that around to some really solidly sets of six in the first 20 minutes or so. Um, how are we going to get some points? How are we going to get some points? What are we going to conjure up to get some points? Oh man, what a job! Don't expect too much, and don't punish Stacy Jones uh, from the ine- immediate outcome of this. To be fair, um, lamb to the slaughter sort of uh, fits into that bracket for me. What a to turn it if, if it's that if it's that bad if it's that bad. Is it Nathan Brown walking out the door going to fix it straight away? Good God, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's got everyone in a bit of a mood this morning, hasn't it? Which means you can attack Stump Smithy. You can attack us uh, with everything that you've got straight after the break. Our number is 0800 150 811. Uh, let's see you try and take us down on this Tuesday. Here's Araha with her 11.32 update.
6: Ian Smith's had a good match here
9: Stumped by Smithy
6: Ian Smith really is top class at his job
8: Yeah, you heard Smithy before, did didn't you everyone he is in a fighting mood very feisty he's up for a stumping maybe one maybe two maybe three we'll see how we go we've got three in line Smithy, up for grabs today is a $50 tab bonus bet plus some sleep drops daytime revive they are new zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements joining us first at the crease we have craig from toronga come in craig g'day how you doing yeah, good. How how's Tonga, man? It was looking pretty miserable yesterday for the Blackferns.
6: It was miserable yesterday, but it's a nice day today. Yeah.
8: Lovely. That's why we love T. Rightio, Craig. It's gonna, let's it's go, gonna Craig. be uh, once, I, uh,
6: once I get past Smithy, it's gonna be <laughs>
8: even better.
4: Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's I can see some dark clouds, uh Sort of forming in the distance uh, over the BOP region, so look out, mate. Uh, what, what, what? Don't you think it's ironic too that the fog in Auckland actually cleared up the moment Nathan Brown retired, this is, or it resigned, wasn't there <laughs> something ironic about that? Anyway, just moving along, uh, what are our subjects today, please, uh, Quizmaster?
8: Uh, Quizmaster here, potentially had a bit of a blue himself, a bit of a Nathan Brown era. Uh, I had cricket, and it looks like, I believe these questions have already been done, so we're just going to do two topics today. Both, though I know I know Smithy is pretty clued up about Craig, so we'll see how you go. You can choose between basketball or golf. Jeez, I don't like either of
11: those, to
8: be honest. But let's go with basketball. Okay. No, no confidence there. Okay, we'll see how we go, mate. The NBA finals are underway between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors Golden State have been in six of the last eight finals in what year did they last win it?
6: Golden State um, uh, they last won it in
1: 2019 one of the worst things I have ever
3: seen done Mm. on a cricket field
4: Smithy over to you Interesting, actually. So they still had the core of the side there. They had the splash brothers, uh, Clay Thompson, um, Curry, and of course, Draymond Green has been there uh, as that triumphant the, the whole time. So I, I'm going to say uh, 2009, 2018.
5: Just a couple of chips down the
3: wicket, oh. right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, going back to the pavilion
8: there, Craig. Sorry, mate. Yeah, put put your umbrella up, Craig. It's starting to rain in Tauranga <laughs> again. It's come back. It's come back. I don't know about in the Manawa two, though. Kerry, how are you looking down there?
6: Hey, hey, Smutzy. Hey, guys.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Kerry, we're, wait- we're waiting for you, mate. Let's hope you go good on the old basketball, my friend.
7: Well, if it was the Warriors, mate, and I'd won, I'd give it to the last two Warriors supporters. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Very good. How good? Love it. Very, right. very good. Second question, Kerry. Who from the Boston Celtics was awarded the Eastern Conference Finals MVP?
11: Um,
1: will oh, go, oh, go Curry. One of the worst things I
0: have ever seen done on a cricket field.
8: Wrong team. Smithy, over to you.
4: Yeah, wrong team. Um, I was gonna. Uh, I think Marcus Smart was the defensive player of the year, uh, but I think the MVP would have to have gone to Jason Tatum.
8: Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I said one, two, three stumpings. We're up to two, Smithy. Uh, we've got we've got one more in line. He's coming out now. He's got his pads. He's got his bat. John from Christchurch, come in.
13: Hello. How you going? You're right.
4: Yeah, we're going good, mate. Have you, ever, have you ever been out on the hat-trick ball yet in your life? No,
9: I don't. actually. I've won the hat-trick ball a couple of times. So, uh, yeah, no, that's a while ago. But you've got me on the <laughs> best subject ever. I'm not a basketball man.
8: Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. I love this. Okay, last question for you, John. I'm going to bring in a bit of suspense here. So, of course, that was mm-hmm. the Boston Celtics. But then you've yeah. got you've got on the on the west, the west the Western Conference Finals have their own MVP. So who John from the Golden State Warriors was awarded that Finals MVP award?
9: Oh, I'm
3: just going to go Curry too because he's about
4: the only one that I know. So <laughs> go Curry, Steph Curry. right in the slot Oh, God. <laughs> 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 Jesus That's like handy. He yeah, might as well put Put some tomato sauce on top of it Couldn't have given you an easier question For God's sake oh, yeah. oh, My heart's bleeding
9: mate, my heart's
4: bleeding <laughs> 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 oh, Congratulations mate You stay on the line John because you have Head won down. The sleep drops of course you got question Three right plus you've won the 50 bucks And I hate every second of it Don't you worry about that <laughs> We shall have another, have have a great day mate, we'll catch you, Uh, and we'll have another one of course at the same time tomorrow when you'll be up for 50 bucks on the TAB, and those wonderful sleep drops as well, yeah, it was close, it was close, but I think uh, in terms of basketball questions, perhaps the easiest bracket we've ever had, Uh, and John was on the receiving end of that one, so uh, we shall be back very shortly, we'll take a short break while I just take time out to recover. Uh, and then we'll have some other stuff to talk about as we head forward to midday, where Sam Hewitt is in charge for the rest of this week in Staffy's chair.
2: Paris, New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith
3: on SNZ. 11.45,
4: and as you would suspect, uh, the text line is sort of... Uh, gone a little bit ballistic since uh, the confirmation from the Warriors themselves, actually, uh, that uh, he's gone, Nathan Brown has gone, and that Stacey Jones will step in as the interim coach from now, basically. Right now, Stacey Jones has the job to prepare them for this week's encounter. So... Uh, the ticks uh, have obviously come in. Willis tarnish Stacey Jones reputation, Smithy. Let's be honest, the season is gone. It ain't going to get any better. Uh, that from Ryan. I, I don't think it should. Uh, I, I really don't think it should. I mean, uh, can it get any worse? I don't know if it can, really, to be perfectly honest. I think uh, there's got to, we've got to look now for positives, and, and the positives would be um, better scoreline obviously but uh, here the aspects within the game that need to improve you know uh, levels of defense levels of commitment first of all as well level uh, a sign that they actually want to play uh, that's the first thing I mean people saying that they just look like a, a, a forlorn bunch of blokes who did not want to play against Manly at the weekend and uh, of course the result reflected that as well has Stacey Jones got the ability to say um guys Um, This uh, is me now I'm in charge, Nathan's gone Um, At least say you want to play for me And and let's start from that point onwards That has to be that Will it uh, tarnish his reputation? Never as a player, absolutely Never as Stacey Jones the warrior It would never uh, tarnish that Um, And and I can only wish him all the best And hope that he gets a a win or two along the way Just to try and uh, give us some hope For next year, and I say that For next year because uh, I think this year, this year is gone. I mean, it would be a major, major achievement to get into the eight from here on attitude alone. So, no, it won't. Not for me anyway, Ryan, uh, and I hope not for you either. Uh, hey, Smithy, Nathan Brown said when he was announced as coach, one of the first things he said was how excited he and his family were to experience New Zealand, life in New Zealand, experience that life. Uh, he came to New Zealand for his first pre season, that was. Um, goodness me. And then, of course, COVID kicked in and uh, we all know what happened in terms of them and their ability to play here at home. But he must have known at some stage, Nathan Brown, that they were going to get some time back here. In fact, they are, aren't they? It's uh, early July. They're going to be back here playing here. He must have known that. So uh, this is all a, sm- a smokescreen stuff for me about not wanting to come here. If you were coaching a, a warrior side that was performing well, you'd have been on the plane first. Nathan Brown, I think we, it's fair to know. Uh, What the Warriors need now is for Cam George to stand down too. Not sure that will happen. I don't know who texted that. That's just a number, not a name, but uh, there has to be a constant in here somewhere um, and maybe uh, Cameron George can provide that consistency there outside the owner, Mark Robinson. Um, I I, I kind of I wonder about Cameron George as well, I know the guy personally, I know he's done uh, work in racing as well, and I know league is an absolute, a huge passion for him, Uh, this will be stinging him, don't you worry, it will be stinging him badly, he won't be sitting there with any sort of complacency or anything like a smile on his face about what has been going on in the Warriors for the last month and a half, six weeks, Uh, he'll be fretting just as much as you, the most ardent of fans, I can promise you that. Um, You may recall on the same subject, uh, two weeks ago, Nathan Brown put his hands up and took full blame for recruiting Matt Lodge. On that basis, surely Cameron George needs to go. He was solely responsible for the appointment of Nathan Brown. So uh, where was Cameron George born? Answer, a town called Casino in New South Wales. Carlos says, I think the Warriors have been dealt a bad hand. Very good, Carlos. I enjoy the text match, uh, the uh, the matching you had there with Casino and... um, the bad hand, very clever indeed, but I'm not quite sure it will be uh, the end of Cameron George in that regard. Craig has come in and said, I wonder what Nathan Brown's payout is. Probably something that well, we will never know, Craig, but it would be interesting to know if he's on the same sort of <clears throat> walk-out-the-door clause that, uh, of course, saw the end of Matt Lodge. That would be a bit disturbing, wouldn't it? But I wouldn't think so. Um, I would imagine that if you, if you uh, walk away from a job like that, yeah, perhaps your, your pay should almost stop then, shouldn't it? Or is it just me being silly in uh, today's financial climate? Uh, hi, Smithy. Graham Lowe said, years ago, there was something wrong at the club. The culture is wrong. Changing the coach isn't going to help. Uh, they've had good coaches that were dumped. I think all they need to go to, back to is being the Warriors. Throw it around. Cheers, chop. That's chop has said, uh, come in with that. So thanks for that, chop. Just throw it around. Play uh, with uh, all sorts of abandon. And not a lot of worry and not a lot of concern. Maybe that's the plan. Um, I can't remember, was that the plan when Stacey Jones was around uh, playing for them? What what kind of match game plan did they have back in those days? Um, I think the difference is, uh, back in those days, along with Stacey Jones, they had a truckload of guys every day that went to the ground that actually wanted to play for the Riders and wanted to play for the jersey. That may well be the difference, and I still... Um, as I started this rant about five minutes ago. Can't understand how you can turn that round overnight. I really can't. It is coming to 11.51 here on SENZ. It's going to be an interesting afternoon. I'm sure in the normal Staffy show, which the Sam Hewitt show this afternoon, uh, I just wonder what guests he's got coming up about the
3: Warriors. We shall see. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it.